Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. Real. True. Stories. May the narrative be with you. So the thing I realized about myself a few years ago was I was a very compartmentalized person. Anytime I had memories of someone in my life who either painful memories or happy memories, if there were painful memories, I would box them up along with the good memories and not necessarily think about that person. And they got buried. So one night, it was the middle of the night, and I was in our laundry room. The only light came from a naked light bulb above my head. And I was going through boxes of paper, sorting them into things to keep and things to recycle. And I was trying to get through the boxes quickly for two reasons. First of all, as I mentioned, it was the middle of the night. And I still had a few boxes to get through. Secondly, the boxes, the papers in the boxes were almost gagging me with the smell of stale cigarette smoke. And thirdly, I was sitting on a step stool that was digging into my ass. <laughs> when I came across this letter that had been written over 60 years ago, and I tried to just put it in the keep pile and continue going, but I found I couldn't put it down. The beginning of the letter was from the archdiocese of the Bishop Ted the Womanizer to Leo Bach. Dear Leo, thou art one self-righteous son of a bitch. Started the letter. And as I read the letter, I got a glimpse of my father that I had never seen before. Because this letter was from when he had gone to college, written to him by a friend. And it was really hard for me to put it down and move on to the next uh, stack of papers. And I finished reading the letter, not understanding why it was that I was so drawn to reading this letter in its entirety instead of moving on. At that time, I didn't realize the letter was a key that I needed. So I grew up in the south side suburbs of Chicago. And my father worked downtown Chicago, and he would leave the house at 6.30 in the morning, take the train, walk two to two and a half miles from the train station to his office, and then repeat the process on his way back home every night, returning home between six and seven. From a young age, I knew that my father had a favorite child, and he made it clear that it was not me. Although we did share some things in common, we both were voracious readers. And we, every weekend we would go to the small village library and check out books and talk about the treasures that we'd found in these books on our way back. 
We also both love the Cubs. God help us. And there were a couple of times where he took my brother and I to a Cubs game. And I can remember the excitement and anticipation as we rode the train down to Chicago. And then getting up on the L and feeling like we were riding a roller coaster until we got to the Wrigley Field. Sitting out in the bleachers with the sun pounding down our heads, eating approximately 10,000 peanuts, and watching the Cubs inevitably lose. When it was time for me to choose a college, my first choice was a small liberal arts college about three hours away from our house. My father, however, wanted me to go to this local community college called Moraine Valley what we locals affectionately, or not so affectionately, dubbed Moron Valley. And when I asked him why he wanted me to go to that college over the college that I wanted to go to, he said, well, I know you're going to either flunk out or drop out, so you might as well do it on a much cheaper scale closer to home. I decided to go to my small liberal arts college three hours away. Well, my father had a disease called Crohn's disease, and it's a disease that affects your intestines. And 90% of people who have Crohn's disease at some point in their life develop intestinal or bowel cancer. And my father was never one to buck statistics. And so my sophomore year in college, he developed cancer. And I wrestled with the idea of dropping out of school and moving back and trying to help take care of him, or if I should stay and keep working my way through college. I decided that I would be much more help to the family if I stayed and finished my college um, career. Two years later, I graduated with honors. At the same time, my father had gone into remission from his cancer. After college, I moved back to Chicago and began teaching school. But about a year and a half after I moved back, the cancer came back. And this time it was stronger, it was meaner, and it was more malignant. Now both my parents were smokers. And one of the things that, the presents that they gave me was some semi-annual bouts of bronchitis in both the fall and in the winter. And even knowing this, knowing that I would get sick at some point, I moved back in when my dad got sick again to try and help take care of him. And though he had gotten sick, he was still working making that trek downtown, walking the two miles to and from his office. 
but the cancer was really beating the shit out of him. And at some point I knew that he wouldn't be able to continue to do the two mile trek to and from the train station. And so I tricked him. I told him I had an in-service day at a building close to his office. And why don't I just drive him down that day and drop him off and then move on to my um, in-service. And wouldn't you know it, somehow magically my in-service stretched from one day to the entire week. By the end of the second week, we were in a pattern where we would drive down, I would drop him off at his office, then I would go on to the school I was teaching at, and then repeat the process on the way back. And these drives were about an hour each way. And this was some of the best time that I ever spent with my dad. Because we would talk about all kinds of things in the car, such as when Sense and Sensibility came out, we talked about how we both knew Emma Thompson was a little too old for that role. So that August, my dad's company folded and he was laid off of his job. Now this is, had been a man who had worked since he was 12 years old. And he knew in his waking condition, he would never get another job. And I knew that was a devastating blow for him. Right around the same time, my semi-annual gift arrived and I was hit with bronchitis. My mother told me that I should wear a mask around him. And I laughed at her, like I usually do. But I did ask him if he wanted me to wear a mask. And he said, no. I am going to the doctor once a week. And of course, there are tons of sick people there. So I'm just as likely to pick up something there as I am from you. During that same time, I was working a part-time job on the weekends to try and help supplement the household income. And there was a day where I called home in the middle of my shift to check in on and see how he was doing. And we had one of those old time answering machines, you know, the ones with the little tapes. And on the tape, instead of our normal message, there was a message from my mother telling me that I needed to come quick, that my father had collapsed and was in the hospital. I went to the hospital and he was in and out of consciousness. And later on that night, my brother and mother went home and I stayed trying to stay awake during his brief bouts of consciousness, feeding him ice chips and just being there. The next night, when my mother and brother were again planning to leave, the ICU nurse said, no, stay. 
he's not going to last much longer. And an hour and a half later, while we all sat around his bedside, my mother on his left-hand side, my brother on his right-hand side, and me down by his feet, my father gasped one last time and died. Now, we were getting ready to leave the hospital, and I asked my mom, are we going to have an autopsy so we can figure out exactly what the final thing was, how he died? And she said, no. We know what killed him. And I said, yeah, you're right. Ultimately, it was the cancer. And she said, no. It was your bronchitis. So by the end of that week, I had packed up all the memories of my father, both good and bad, put them deep inside of me, and didn't think much of him anymore. However, this letter made me start thinking again. I don't know what killed my dad. It could have been my bronchitis. Or maybe it was some random bug that he had picked up at, this, at one of his many doctor appointments. Or maybe it was his complete and total loss of identity that came with losing work and realizing he would never work again. But that letter, that letter I was so drawn to that I could not put down that night turned out to be the key that opened the box to the memories of my dad. And though some of the memories are painful, some of them are wonderful too. And I refuse to close the box again.